Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 66. And today I want to discuss a an idea that has been really sticking with me for the past day as I've been spending a lot of time in Genesis again. Um, I find myself coming back to there many times. Different aspects of it stick with me. And as I just am fluid with exploring God's Word and really what He puts in front of my eye, what's catching my eye, um, I just want to stick and stay into that until I discover what maybe He's wanting me to discover. So something very interesting has caught my eye, and I'm excited to share it. So, today it is uh, Genesis chapter 7, and going into 8, we're talking about the flood, and something that I've never heard and never considered before. Um, So, I am definitely excited to share that. Now, I also tend to somewhat um, be a bit of a nerd, a geek, uh, regarding certain Uh, matters and topics, and this is definitely kind of one of them. So we'll just jump right into it. Now, I'm going to kind of bounce around a little in Scripture, but Genesis 7 and 8 is really the the brunt of what we're talking about here because it pertains to the flood. So um, we'll start in verse 17 of Genesis 7, but it says, The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heavens were covered. So pay attention to that specifically. The waters rose so that the high mountains were covered. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, that the waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. Now, your Bible may have a little reference to that because we don't speak in terms of cubits, and a cubit is about 18 inches Um, From where we are, we use inches um, more than centimeters or meters. So for us, about 18 inches. And it says, All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. And then skipping down towards the end of that chapter, it says, Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So, as I began to think on this flood, and and something jumped out at me 
that it was the fact that the waters rose to a height covering the highest mountain 15 cubits deep. So I started doing a little digging. What's the highest mountain in the world? Well, according to what I looked up, it is Mount Everest. And Mount Everest is 29,029 feet. And again, there's a meter associated with that. I think it was 8,848 meters. But for us, we mostly uh, talk in terms of feet. It's easier for us to comprehend here in uh, the West and the United States. So the, the Bible says that the flood rose about 15 cubits. So a cubit is 18 inches. So that would be about 22 feet. The flood waters rose about 22 feet above the highest mountain, which would be, in our day, according to, would be Mount Everest. So 22 feet over Mount Everest would be 29,052 feet. That is approximately close to five and a half miles up. Okay, so... And remember, that covers the whole earth. So about five and a half miles up from ground level is the, the volume or the quantity of rain that the Bible says that um, the heavens were opened and the fountains of the deep were opened. So rain was coming from the heavens from the sky, from above, and also water was coming up from beneath the earth. And this is that torrent of water that the Bible speaks of for that 40 days and 40 nights. Now, a lot of us think, a lot of us think that, well, the, you know, the flood happened 40 days, 40 nights, and then, you know, the water goes down and Noah leaves the ark. But if you actually kind of track through the language used, and I'm not going to go through it all, but in chapter 8 especially, um, the Bible gives us some timeline. Now, the first thing, because I mentioned to you, the first thing that I found to be fascinating is I know, based on the biblical account, how high the water got in feet. Now, you know, this, for all sake and sakes and purposes, right, we're, we're going to speak in kind of approximate terms, but um, for practicality's sake, you know, we'll just shoot numbers. I know, based on the Bible, how high the water got to in terms of feet. I began to be curious, how much, is there a way that I can calculate the water that um, that the flood produced. And as I began to think about, you know, the surface area of the earth, you know, got a little math ma mathematical, maybe, you know, integrating a little bit of physics in here. And, um, and so got to revisit a little bit of that and, and nerd out. But um, when, 
when you want to determine volume, you use a formula, uh, pi r, which is radius squared, times the height. Now, the Earth, mostly spherical, um, it, but we do have a dimension of the radius of the Earth, which in miles is about 3,963 miles. So we have a radius, we know what pi is, and so we can, we can calculate volume based on these numbers. And, and that's what I did. And after going through some, you know, converting some things around from um, miles and feet and, and gallons, I'll save you all the specific details. But after running this calculation, according to the height of the water that it reached and being able to calculate for a sphere, the earth, you can, I came to the total of, I, I ended up calculating this in terms, converting it in terms of gallons of water, just to give us a, a more referenceable number, an understandable number. I first got to uh, cubic miles of water, converted to cubic feet of water, and then converted that to gallons of water, and come to a total from the flood, 10 trillion, 700, we'll just call it, we'll just call it 10.7 trillion gallons of water produced from the flood, based on the biblical reference of how high the waters got and knowing what the radius is of the earth. Now, just so 10.7 trillion gallons of water, that's a phenomenal number and very hard to establish in, in your mind how much that is. Um, so I then looked up how many gallons, do we know how many gallons the ocean contains? And um, est estimation, the ocean has about 343 million trillion gallons of water. So million trillion, that is a quintillion. I had to look that up because I do not know where that falls. But... Just for your reference, um, you go million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion. So a quintillion is a million trillions. That's, yeah, that was my thought at first too. So just as a point of reference, the ocean has about... 31.4 million times more gallons than the flood produced of water upon the whole of the earth. Now, as I began to think 
about, okay, so now I'm able to kind of quantify how much water we're dealing with on, on the earth for this flood. Now, something also fascinating that jumped out at me is I began to think, well, how deep is the ocean? And there is kind of a known boundary we have of the ocean. And it's actually fairly close to Mount Everest as well in terms of meters. Um, of course, we're... I believe the reference said we have only explored or are able to know about 5% of the ocean uh, floor itself. So it's this hugely unexplored region. However, of what we do know, it's a it's very similar in terms of meters to the size of Mount Everest. Now, as you go deeper into the ocean there's a thing you have to deal with called pressure, okay? The, there are certain animals that can survive the deeper you go, these higher pressures, certain animals can survive that. Uh, humans can only reach a very you know, shallow position in that without special apparatus, without special equipment. Um, submarines even can only reach certain depths. When you start getting into... Uh, regions of 8,000 meters, um, the reference that I, that I watched to get some, some sort of idea of the depths of the ocean and the pressures associated with them, the reference said when you get into regions like 8,000 meters down, the pressure that's exerted on those objects, okay, would be something like, at that depth, around 8,000 meters or so, um, the, the pressure that would be exerted on that object would be equivalent to a person supporting overhead the weight of 50 jumbo jets. Okay, that's just let that sink in for a second. The weight of 50 jumbo jets, a it would be the pressure pushing down on a person trying to hold that overhead. So that is a enormous pressure. So this is something that I've never considered. Number one is not only does the flood itself, right, the waters produce on top of the ground level is something equivalent to like the, the depth of the known ocean, so not only do the water does do animals and creatures die from drowning, but there's also actually a pressure exerted on them too. So it's not necessarily just drowning that's happening, but there's also a a death, a destruction by pressure. It's fascinating. Never ever considered that. So but back to our kind of numerical idea. So, as I said before, the flood itself produces about 10.7 trillion gallons of water from the flood itself. Now, the Bible tells us there's 40 days 
the flood occurs, right? This torrent of water from above and below. Then after the 40 days passes, you have 110 days that pass where there is rain that is occurring, kind of like a light rain or, or some sort of rain, not like the torrent that is happening in the 40 days. I do think it's fascinating. I don't know. I don't have anything tangible with this. It's just really a thought. But I notice first thing, 40 days and then 110 days, I, I see some sort of, you see the 40 plus 10, 50 days, this Pentecost idea, you know, Christ was with them 40 days and then he said, tarry and wait. And they waited for 10 days and then Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was released. There's like that, there's this 50 day parallel thing happening. I think there's something fascinating in there. I'm not sure what the extra hundred days would be about, but I do see something kind of floating around in there. Uh, so moving on though, 110 days and you get a light rain or so. Then after 74 days it that proceed, the waters abate or, or cease or, or kind of stay back or fall back. It takes 74 days to then see, Noah can see the tops of mountains. Okay, so, but remember, the waters flooded up to where it was 22 feet above the highest mountain. And we, now in the Bible, we, we, we hear, we see Mount Eret, but as far as, as far as we know, the, the highest mountain, we would call it Everest, and we have its, its how many feet it is. So 22 feet above, above this. But it takes 74 days for the waters to abate so that the tops of the mountain can be seen. So that means... That means that we can then, if we know how much total water is present, we can figure out how much, how many gallons of water are, how many gallons of water are abating or draining back in that first drop. And then we also can then calculate how many gallons of water per hour, per day, whatever, for that second drop, which would be from the, after the 74th day, or the, not rather the 74th day, but after that sequence of 74 days, until they're able to disembark from the ark. So Noah and his family, from the time of the flood occurring to the time that they disembark from the ark, is actually 371 total days. Okay, so for Noah to see the mountains, the water, floodwaters must drop 22 feet. And if we can, if we can, if we then go through a conversion to find out um, how much water in that given amount of time. So, remember, it takes 74 days for the waters to abate. You calculate that out. 
there is a total of 8.12 billion gallons, 8.12 billion gallons of water in 22 feet of water over the earth. So that 22 feet, I was able to determine that there's 8.12 billion gallons of water in that. Now, if, if that amount of water must essentially go away or be reduced, that would mean, and this is what I find very fascinating, that one, about 109 million gallons of water per day must be taken away. 109 million gallons per day. That means then, if you want to calculate an hourly rate, for about 4.5 million gallons per hour must be drained so that Noah could see in 74 days the tops of the mountains. This is, the th this is another thing that I've never heard or never considered. This is, this is a miracle that we have not acknowledged Okay, four and a half million gallons per hour are taken away, are drained out. Now, don't know where they go. We know it says in chapter eight that God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. So the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. Now, again, we are able to calculate roughly that it did so at a rate of 4.5 million gallons per hour. So that's a miracle number one. Miracle number one. Now, the other thing that, remember, that we said that is, that's a, like, we'll call that phase one of the receding of the waters. But from the, being able to see the tops of the mountains, it still has to go almost the entire length of Mount Everest because it was 22 feet above. So now it is going at... We said Mount Everest is roughly five and a half miles. And so this, this is like equivalent of it traveling the rest of the way, which is about 5.49 miles. I mean, not far had went. But keep in mind that the waters to abate was the course of 74 days. But we know that Noah is able to disembark from the ark if you add up the remaining days. If you look through this narrative in chapter 8, we find that 74 days pass for the waters to abate. Then 40 days pass from that point, and Noah sends out a raven. Then seven days pass, and Noah sends out the dove. Well, we know that the dove comes back empty-handed. 
so he knows the waters are still around. He then sends out the dove again after seven days, and it brings back a olive branch. Hmm, fascinating. Also fascinating when you think about um, when you think about Christ's baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. That's that's fascinating. Noah is sending out a dove. It's also fascinating when Jesus is telling his disciples while he's in his during his ministry that whenever you enter a house, if if that person is is worthy or if there's a person worthy there, let your peace rest there. If there is not a person worthy, take your peace back with you. Hmm. And that's very fascinating because then on the third send-off of the dove after seven more days, it does not return. That tells Noah that the waters are uh, cleared out. But then another 29 days and, Mo and Noah removes the covering of the ark. Then after 57 days, they finally disembark the ark. So if you add up all those days, that's 147 days past when the waters were abating after that 74-day stretch. Okay, so I hope I'm not all over the place. 147 days pass from where Noah sees the tops of the mountain to when they disembark the ark. Okay? We can then calculate how much water would be present using that same formula based on how many feet of water still present plugged into the calculation, we get, okay, about 10.6, 10.7 trillion gallons of water that are present from essentially the top of Mount Everest or the, the visible top to the ground. 10 point, about 7, 10.7 trillion gallons of water. That has to be taken away over the course of 147 days so that they can disembark the ark and step out onto dry ground. That means, okay, that 72.7 billion gallons of water must be removed per day to make that happen. That is about... 3 billion gallons of water per hour. 3 billion gallons of water per hour that have to be removed for them to enter dry ground. That is about 700 times faster than the first drop. The first, remember we said, the first, the first drop to see the tops of the mountains was about four and a half million gallons per hour. The second drop is about three billion gallons per hour taken away. That's about 700 times faster than the first drop. This is a double miracle. It's even, it's, it's 700 times beyond the miracle of the first one. So, I just think, for one, that is amazing. 
I'm thankful that the Lord let me see something that I've never seen, I've never heard. And I also get to acknowledge that that there's a miracle, there's miracles taking place there and we've never known. So I thank you for the time and I pray that this blessed you. Until next time, God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here.